Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am excited to welcome back Amy Baldwin of the Shameless Sex Podcast. Uh, Amy is a sex and relationship coach, certified sex educator, lead educator for Uberlube, which we love, as well as co-owner of a mother-daughter, which I love, owned online pleasure boutique. She was also voted 2022's Sexpert of the Year. Uh, together, Amy and her co-host, April, who has been on the podcast before, combined forces to create the Shameless Sex Podcast, inspiring radical self-love, sexual empowerment, and shame-free intimacy. To learn more or to pre-order their upcoming book, Shameless Sex, Choose Your Own Pleasure Path to Unlock the Sex Like you, You've Been Waiting For, go to shamelesssex.com. We're going to be talking about the book and some ways that you can have better sex today. Welcome, my dear friend and uh, pleasure podcast colleague, Amy. Yay, thank you. So good to be here with you. As we were saying, we wish it was in person because I absolutely love and adore you and love spending time with you. Like last year, we had the, you know, like a whole weekend together at the Pleasure Podcast Retreat. But alas, I will take the internet instead. <laughs> I know we have we have a great time together. <laughs> yes, we do. We're like, wow, we have a lot of similarities. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited for when we get to uh, get weird again together soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you cover some awesome topics in this book. I got to read a pre-copy. I hope all you listeners are jealous. Um, when exactly does it come out? It comes out November 14th, 2023. So we are you know, under three weeks now. It will be out. Oh my gosh, so exciting. Okay, so folks who are listening, this is going to be like right at the pre-order slash order for real uh, happening time. So go check it out. Um, but... It, I I loved it. I thought it was super accessible. And today we're going to focus on talking about how to first figure out what you want uh, sex-wise and all of the things having to do with that, why some people don't know what they want, um, and, and all of those things. So you have a whole section on this. How can I figure out what I want? And I hope we can just kind of have a conversation first about like about that. And so I have a lot of clients who come into my office and we start to kind of explore like what they're might be interested in. And most people are like, I don't know. <laughs> yes, exactly. I have no idea. <laughs> Do you really think people don't know or is it just they haven't been given the permission to explore yet? I think it's both. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, well, I guess the, yeah, the permission to explore. So when I think back to my history, I was raised with very little shame around sexuality. Um, I was not raised with, with religion. I was yeah. I mean, you have a mother daughter sex shop. Yeah. Mother daughter sex shop. Come on. I sold dildos to my mom. <laughs> we used to have a brick and mortar now. So it's online. Uh, and I grew up in Santa Cruz, California. So, um, and I, we actually just had uh, Zachary Zane, who wrote Boy Slut on our podcast, and he was talking about yes, how he has was shout out. With, he's been on too. Awesome. Yeah, he's amazing. I fucking love him. Um, but he he was talking about how he was raised with very little shame around sexuality and still had shame later on and still had questions. Mm. Didn't really know who he yep. was as a sexual being. And I was like, that was my experience as well. When I was younger, masturbation was not a shameful thing. No one shamed me. I just didn't know what to do. I was just like, I'd like kind of touch my my bits and be like, mm, I don't I don't know. It smells interesting, but I don't really feel much. And so I'd check it out, but nothing really happened. Uh, and so, and, and no one was teaching me, here's how you self pleasure, you know, here's, right. here's how you can discover your orgasms or just what feels good. Uh, and so that I really had to figure out on my own. And, uh, so yes, that was, so that's not like I needed 
I don't, it didn't feel like I needed permission. I needed knowledge uh, about yeah. kind of how, how to do that. So I think it can go both ways for, for folks, or maybe they have both. It maybe it's both permission and the knowledge piece. But yeah, for me, I feel like it really was knowledge. Um, any tips for folks who are adults now who have not self-pleasured, who are like, I don't know what I like and want for like some first steps to start that process? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that we, so if you're aware of masturbation, which most people are, but and then you, and you're aware of like some techniques, you know, about like you just diddle the clit or you like, you know, you whack off the, the wang. Um, but that's just, just a small piece of the pie and doesn't necessarily work for everyone or there isn't one technique that works for everyone. Uh, so I think we get kind of like with dancing, right? Like you think there's like a cool way to dance, especially when you're younger, like I supposed to move my body like this uh, or walk like this or talk yeah. like this. Uh, and, but there are so many variations of that. And so I think step one is to try to get outside of the idea of it looking a certain way or being what you see was being what you see in porn, what you heard people do, what you read in a book. If it's only just like a narrowed idea of what masturbation should be. Uh, and also looking as an explore, explorative journey as opposed to get to the destination of orgasm. Because mm -hmm. when we're focused on that, we get in our heads and we are not able to be present for the little subtle sensations of dingling and warming and uh, and little bits of pleasure or this doesn't feel good. So let's do something else yeah. because those little sensations are, in my opinion, stepping stones to the bigger experience, to the orgasm, uh, to, yeah, to, to the big O or pleasure, or maybe mm. it's not an O, but just pleasure. Uh, so, um, I would suggest also setting up a space where, uh, you can have this as a practice. So it isn't just like, Oh, I only have five minutes. I'm going to go rub one out. And that serves a time and place for sure. But Especially if you're, I actually suggest to anyone, whether you're new to masturbation or you already masturbate, if you've never done this, to set up an intentional space that this is me time to explore my body and to either learn or to have an experience that will just feel maybe deeply pleasurable. Uh, and so turn off your phone, put the do not disturb sign on the door, tell your roommates like, this is my time. Maybe set the scene, put on some music or something, whatever helps you to drop in and be really present and relaxed. Those are really important things to be, be able to be really present with yourself and relaxed, not stressed out. And you want this container to feel very safe. And again, this is just for you. This isn't like with you and your partner. That's a whole separate thing. Um, and then from there, uh, a couple things you could do. One, I really recommend, um, and I love doing this is to get, let my hands start to move over my body and not necessarily in a sexual way, but anywhere my, like, as if my hands have their own minds and they're just getting curious about where they want to go, like following a mm -hmm. thread of like, Oh, and, and I'm like, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just letting them, I'm kind of doing it right now. Like letting them kind of graze over yeah, my me body. Too. <laughs> and, yeah, you are too. Right? It's hard not to do when you're like, Oh, what is that? like yeah. and 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 maybe trying to slow that down too to see how slow you can go with that but if they want to move fast let them move fast and if they want to maybe they want to grab at your thighs like pull at the back of your hair use some nails i'm already getting a little like toasty as i say that um and so like exploring the whole out the external part of the body meaning like not the bits first and then but and then letting them make their way into the bits and letting your hands explore your bits with just curiosity about kind of what i said earlier what feels good? What feels warm? What feels tingly? What feels pulsatey? Where do you feel that? Is it a good thing? Maybe stick with that. What kind of pressure feels good? What or 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 tempo feels good? Um, and and just like being playful and creative and curious about all of that to see, you know, what what really works for your unique body, uh, and just following the thread, you know, a pleasure. Yeah. All right, this feels kind of good. So I'm going to keep going with that in that area. Okay, well, oh, but now it's not of my hands. It's kind of like, well, they want to go over here now. Or as I touch, I've had this happen. I don't know if you have, sometimes when I'm like doing this practice, I'll, I'll have my fingers like on around like the the um, shaft of my clitoris. Mm -hmm. And then I'll feel like a pulsating, like maybe- A pussy heartbeat. I call it pussy yeah, heartbeat. Pussy heartbeat. But in like my vaginal canal, probably around the G-spot G area. And I'm like, oh, maybe my fingers want to go there. So then I'll go there and- okay, that feels good. I'm kind of like massaging that part where the pulsating is. And then my clit will be like, come back to me and I'll go back to my clit or maybe another hand's on my clit. But when you stay open to that, you can kind of um, like see all these different parts of your body turning, coming online. Now, if you, you really feel clueless as to how to even explore touch, your genitals and this is for penises too but that what i'm going to talk about is designed for vulvas omgs.com is yeah. 
amazing. Um, it is an educational resource with short, tasteful videos that show you different ways to pleasure pussies. Uh, the first season is external, second season is internal, and the third season is with sex toys. I learned so much from that. You know, a lot of people are like on the clitoris, they're just like, you know, just rubbing on the, on the shaft of the clitoris or on the head. When in fact, a lot of people like swirls or edging or or things that don't even have to do with the clitoris, but they're like right around the clitoris, which technically technically is still clitoral structure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's so many ways there. I, I think there's less out there for penises right now because they're like, just watch porn and walk off. But um, but it does exist and you can do the same practice with penises as well. Yeah, I think for folks that I work with, I like to, if you feel like even this sounds overwhelming or something like that, like I like to start first by helping folks figure out like what the yes feels like in their body. Cause I think a lot of people are still like, well, I don't feel anything or like, I don't know what I like. And so I think most of us are taught not to listen to the voice of our body. So it's very quiet. So like you were saying, like my clit's like, come back over here. But I think if this is a new practice to you, you might be feeling like you can't hear that voice or it's just so quiet that you don't know the language that it speaks. And so I do an exercise with my clients that I would suggest listeners to do even now is to like think of a person, place, thing, meal, experience, pet, um, something that you know in your life that you like or that's a hell yes, like something you're drawn to, something you go towards, something you associate mostly with neutral to positive stuff. Um, And then I kind of guide them through a embodied sort of imagery of like going back to that thing, but seeing if they can feel all the sensations about that thing right now. So Mm. it's like, okay, well, where were you? What did it smell like? What did it taste like? What did it feel like? Um, Just bringing in all the sensations. And then I'll start to ask them like, how did they know that this was a thing they liked? And what physically happened in their body? Did they start to feel warm right now? Do they start to smile? Um, does their heart start to flutter a little bit more? And we kind of do this. Uh, maybe we have to do it even sometimes more often than once um, to help people understand like what actually does a yes feel like in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, if they are still struggling with that, I might go more towards like something that's a no. But I might not do it like something that's like traumatic, but something that they know for sure that they're like not into and help them like, well, how do you know you're not into it in your body? So like, what's the opposite of that? Um, And then if they're, you know, scared to touch their their genitals, um, like you were saying, I might have them start that pleasure mapping exercise that you were describing with like picking a neutral part of their body that they can just start to notice any sensation in. Um, Mm -hmm. so it might not be pleasure yet. It might not be, you know, bad. It might just be like, okay, I can notice that like my fingernails are on my weenus or like I can notice, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know, I can notice that like, okay, the palm of my hand is massaging it. I can feel the contact between my hand and this. Cause I often find that if people haven't done this, like pleasure mapping process ever before, especially on their genitals, they're like, I don't feel anything. Um, and you can sensitize those areas, but I do think it takes practice. Um, and I will say Amy and I are probably quite practiced in, uh, and haven't always been, in, but yes, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> it took a, took a while to get to that place. And yeah, I love the, the idea of, of kind of mapping pleasure mapping. Um, yeah. and I, it's, it also really helped you. So when I started to do pleasure mapping with my own genitals as a self pleasure practice, but I also discovered it's the learning practice where I had no idea that I had kind of a burning sensation. If I go to, if the, you know, if my, mm. my pussy's a clock and my clitoris yeah. is at 12 o'clock in the base of my vaginal opening is six o'clock. That yeah. six o'clock in that very part of the entrance, I have a burning sensation when it, when fingers are touching that part of the, my body, um, my own my own fingers or someone else's fingers, mm-hmm. and and I would just bypass that when I was having sex. I, I would like kind of feel it, and I'd be like, oh, it feels like ebgbs a little bit. And then when I started yeah. the pleasure map, I could notice this really um, like distinct, nuanced kind of kind of space there that this was happening, and in, in the experience of what was happening there, and having that awareness has now opened up the opened up the, the doors for me to be able to do some healing around that which involved right. a lot more slow touch intentional touch from myself and partners with that and, and, and taking that part of my body into account and now it doesn't burn anymore and now i've actually healed that i'm doing air quotes for healing because when i say healing it can come back it's so, a process yeah. right like it does 
Yeah, it might be like, I feel healed now. And then later, like it's back. So I don't think we're always like healing to never have the thing again, um, but trying to heal so that we can have better, more pleasurable experiences now. Um, and then we'll have better tools for when, uh, if or when it comes back or something similar comes back to us. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we already talked about some of the reasons why, but in your like experience, what do you feel like are some of the other reasons why people don't know what they want? So we covered oh, like there's, yeah. there's shame, right? Yes. Shame not to explore. Shame. Mm-hmm. They haven't taken up enough time to actually like give themselves enough time and space to explore. They're kind of just like, okay, five minutes real quick. Um, mm-hmm. Any other reasons you've seen as to like why some people totally. really don't know? Yeah, well, I was actually just talking about this on another podcast uh, uh, on Private Parts Unknown. Um, I was on that show and talking about... Um, so Courtney on that show, had she received our um, our book proposal because she was writing a book. And our book proposal has chapter one, which is this extensive version of April and I's personal stories about our sex lives, including a lot of the shame and trauma that we've been through. Now, if you read our actual book that's coming out, it's a more condensed version because they're like, we can't have a 100,000 100, word book. Uh, we can only have like you know, 85,000 words. So, and they, we, they didn't want all of that. And so, so we pulled pieces out and we're weaving it through the book, which so it's, and again, the book's not all about us, but, uh, in that, uh, in that part, I was, I was talking about, um, the, uh, we're talking about the, the ways that the caretaking culture and how a lot of my sex for sexual experiences, even though I wasn't raised with a, with a ton of shame around sexuality, mm-hmm. were very much about this penis centric model where, um, in fact, the first penis I ever yeah. touched when I was 13, uh, and this, this actually did make it in the book was a coercion experience where I was, uh, in a room with a couple friends and my friend's brother was in the room and he was also very intimidating to me because he was like kind of a mean spoiled rich kid. And I was not that I was a lower income family, uh, and in a lower, lower income family. And in a dark room, he asked me to massage his back and then like flipped up a can massage my chest and then my belly. And then he took my hand and started jacking himself off. I felt like, you know, I was being used and uh, but didn't know what to say. He also scared me a little bit. I didn't feel like I had the tools to be like, no. Uh, and the, and I felt terrible after. And I think it shaped my own brain. I already had caretaking stuff in my brain from media, culture, my own parents, yeah. but not about who I should be, but what I'm witnessing in the world, especially as about women being caretakers and and putting, mm-hmm. as a caretaker, putting other people's pleasure before their own. Um, this has been going on for hundreds of years, y'all. And so that really shaped my experience of, okay, so I guess, you know, men's pleasure, boys' pleasure comes before mine. And then people that I had sex with, or it was, sorry, intimate with after that, over and over again, it, it wouldn't, you know, I, no one went down on me until I was like 18. I'd already slept with like four or five people by then. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to ask for it. No one was offering it. You know, the finger banging certainly didn't feel that great because they were just like jabbing at my pussy. And so I, I just had this idea that was like it embedded that someone else's pleasure was more important than mine or also someone else should be giving, teaching me this, you know, bringing me the pleasure that I mm-hmm. want or deserve. So like showing me what I even like. Yeah. The, they're uh, the gatekeeper to the, the pleasure. Gatekeep- they give, exactly. they bring it to me. They give it to me. Exactly. So it's, you know, so if it's not the first one, which is just like, oh, my pleasure is not as worthy as, as someone else's because that's not what I'm experiencing. No, no boy that I'm being intimate with is saying, oh, I want to pleasure you. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that a lot of people do have that, but I didn't. And that really hung out with me. And I think that happens for a lot of people, whether they're already going into sexual experiences with that belief, someone else's pleasure is more important than mine. So I'm not even going to take the time to advocate for it or even explore my own body to figure out what I like or someone else is supposed to teach me or be the gatekeeper. And that's not my job. It's their job, which is a trap. Mm, yeah. I mean, this brings me into an important question, I think is like, how do you know or separate what you want from other par- others or partners wants and needs? Mm, like, was there anything yeah. that was helpful for you to start to like differentiate that and be like, I'm not responsible for their pleasure and they're not necessarily responsible for mine? That took decades. <laughs> so it was We're not still overnight. working through it. Still working on it. And, you know, it was it was knowledge. It was it was learning and educating and informing myself by, you know, at that time, it wasn't listening to podcasts. Now everyone can listen to podcasts and learn so much. But it was reading books and taking courses uh, and, you know, and, and learn, reading and learning or hearing conversations about sex and pleasure beyond what my brain already thought it was. And my brain didn't actually think that. Like, my conscious mind wasn't like, someone else's pleasure is more important. This is a subconscious computer exactly. program right. that was running the show. Uh, so it took, it, it, and it took also having 
um, some traumatic uh, or challenging relationships with people who didn't really value my pleasure mm-hmm. and to uh, like to learn that those and not just pleasure, just people who didn't really value me uh, to actually be like, OK, I want to be in a relationship with someone who really values me. And then in that experience, being in, in a relationship with someone who really valued my pleasure I'll, uh, when, when that first happened, you know, years ago. And now I've had multiple partners who are in that camp. Um, and that really helped me to, to see, okay, all right, someone else, you know, my partners actually think my pleasure is just as valuable as theirs, if not sometimes more important to focus on because I'm the vulva owner. I'm the receiving orifice. I take mm-hmm. longer generally than most of the penis owners I've ever been with to get aroused, to get blood flow, to have an orgasm, all of these pieces. And that's just me. It's not everyone, but it's quite common for vulva owners who are having sex with penis owners. Uh, so that really helped me too. So I would say, yeah, the, the knowledge, the constantly pushing myself to become educated outside of what I already thought. Um, also therapy. I mean, working with coaches uh, yeah. and sex therapists, all kinds of folks, or even folk, people who even being educated outside of sex that my needs are valuable and important transferred into my sex life as well. They all like, as you know, they all kind of feed each other. Yeah. I talked about this on the show before. Um, I think one of my past guests, uh, I, I knew the concept, but I didn't use this term for it before, but positive affect tolerance. Um, oh, and yeah. I'll just like name it again for listeners if you're tuning in for the first time. But basically, especially if you were raised uh, as a woman, that as Amy was saying, you know, we're kind of taught that we are supposed to be the hostesses, which includes hosting people inside of our vaginas as well. Yeah. Um, and so... Fun. Yeah. I think that we're also, depending on what you're taught, um, some of us have a small tolerance for receiving. And so just like you can have a tolerance for alcohol or you can have a tolerance for like negative things when you start to get triggered, you can also have a tolerance for pleasure and receiving, whether that's because you don't think you deserve it or potentially you grew up in a household where when you receive something, then you were punished for it or it was held against you. Um, or maybe you did ask for and advocate for things and the people made you feel like it was too much. Um, so a lot of us have this low tolerance for being able to receive and think that we deserve to take the amount of time we need or to have more pleasure. Um, the good news is you can grow your tolerance, but it takes some of the practice that you were talking about, Amy. You know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a muscle for sure. This episode features the Shameless Sex Podcast. One way to have shameless sex create time for yourself and your pleasure. One of my favorite ways to do that is to listen to erotic audio. For listeners of the show, our sponsor Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women. When it comes to sexy stories, I have always been a big fan of the details, which is why I love Dipsy because they bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. It really sets the stage and brings me right into another world where I can feel every touch, every breath, every stolen glance from the story. Dipsy has stories for all kinds of listeners, and right now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A dipsystories.com slash S and S S A N D S dipsystories.com slash S and S. And the link is in the episode description. Maybe a little less sexy, but just as important is the rest of your mental health. We just talked about thoughts you may want in your head, but what about when you have intrusive thoughts that you don't want around? This episode is sponsored in part by No CD. OCD is more than what you see on TV and in the movies. Imagine having unwanted thoughts about your sexuality stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away. Relationship OCD is often overlooked as a subtype of OCD that comes with things like unrelenting intrusive images, thoughts and urges about your partner, a loved one, or sexuality. If you think you might be struggling with relationship OCD, there is hope. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient OCD therapy. NoCD therapists are trained in exposure response prevention therapy, which is the gold standard treatment for OCD. 
With no CD, you can do virtual live face-to-face video sessions with one of their licensed specialty trained therapists. It's affordable and they accept most major insurance plans. Breaking the OCD cycle takes effective treatment. To get started, go to NoCD, that's N-O-C-D.com to book a free 15-minute call. Now back to the episode. It, yeah, the or in a, not just Hakomi, other therapeutic methods, the nourishment barrier, which I totally oh, have. It's what's well, it's what you're talking about. It's it's so barrier. like a nourishment barrier would be like, like what no, Nicola, you look so beautiful today. And you're like, oh, like, oh I, so ju- I so just barely you. showered, yeah. Or yeah, or I no, oh, this thing, or like, or but you like send it back to me, like, oh no, so do you. Or you look like you're you look great in that top. And that's like a simple version of it, um, mm. of how you can tell if you have a nourishment barrier, if you're like, it's hard for me to take compliments or to be somewhat the kind of the centerpiece for a moment of someone's appreciation or yeah. um, the way that they're seeing you in a positive light. And then uh, also shows up in sex. You know, for me, I had a major right. nourishment barrier, especially when it came to oral sex, because those first mm-hmm. number of partners never went down on me. Um, yeah. So, or, or you call it receiving barrier, but you know, because until I, I've now worked through that barrier, everyone, I can hang out there and receive and I take up a lot of space, but it took, like I said, decades. Um, and some very willing and loving, caring partners. And, uh, but back in the day, someone would be going down on me and my brain kept being like, I need to do something. I need to do something. I need to do something for them. I need to start touching their cock or, or like, I couldn't just settle into it. And like, this is for me and I deserve this. Um, so it was workable and it was a journey. Uh, and I'm so glad that I'm not in that place of like, I don't deserve this or I'm taking too much space and says like, no, 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 no. I deserve the space. They're enjoying what they're doing They're, I believe they'll tell me if they're not, or they'll say, you know, my neck is tired or whatever, because that's where we're at in communication now. And that also took a lot of work. It was a whole Mm. nother conversation. Well, I think that's another piece too, especially if you're someone who maybe struggles to maintain your boundaries. A lot of us don't trust that other people can hold their boundaries. So we're like, other people for you. Yeah. I mean, there's truth to that. Like not other people don't always hold their own boundaries. Um, And so that's where a lot of the initial communication comes in about boundary setting and, 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 you know, if someone is brand new to it and they're not very good at that, I think that those kind of interactions need a lot more conversations then before Mm -hmm. sex, during sex, after sex. And then the more people get get uh, familiar with uh, advocating for boundaries or or I'm familiar with you being comfortable advocating for your own boundaries then we have we still have conversations there's still negotiation and consent and all those pieces but it's for me, at least for me it feels like there needs to be a lot less because mm-hmm. now we're at this level of we we just know that we can we can, we'll speak up when we need to speak up yeah this makes me think of like when we should i want to say should but like when maybe we should consider not doing something just because our partner wants it. Um, and so I guess what I mean here is there's a lot of things we do in relationship because it's something our partner says is important to them, mm-hmm. right? Whether that be the way we make the bed or the way we do the dishes or the way we dig out the trash or whatever emotional labor. Um, and same thing Family for dinner at the, at the in-laws or something. Right, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. so it's like, okay, I'm not doing this because I necessarily want to, but your needs are important to me. Your pleasure is important to me. And so where do you feel like this comes in when we talk about sex? Because I want people to feel like they can keep their boundaries and we still do things sometimes just because our partner likes it. So Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think the line is when it comes to sex and pleasure about doing something just because your partner is wanting to do it and, and especially if you're not feeling it? I would say if you're a hard no to something your partner wants to do, then that hard no needs to be respected in and outside of sex, but especially sex, especially when you're, it's your body because that's a really vulnerable place. You know, like, okay, I don't want to go to dinner at the in-laws. I'm a, but am I really a hard no? Or I'm just like, I just don't want to, you know, like, yeah. so maybe that is a, like a maybe leaning towards a no. More yeah. so, I mean, I don't maybe, want it to be like a Jonah Hill word. thing where it's like, well, I have a boundary against um, doing the dishes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want it to be like, okay. like that. Yeah. But it's like, what? Yeah. I guess, how do we decide like what is a boundary in that case yeah. versus like showing up for your partner in the erotic yeah. language that they need? So an example I'll use is like the end of the day and uh, people, two people are there in a partnership, say they live together and someone comes home and one person, the person that comes home is really tired. And the person that's home wants to have some have sex. Yeah. And, and this is very common. This happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and if you're in a long-term relationship and has yet to happen, just wait, because it probably will. Yeah. Um, it's a real thing. Yep, just and, wait. 
But so for the person who doesn't want to have sex to have sex, that would, that could, that's, I think that's problematic. But my curiosity is, okay, when you're, if you're saying, I don't want to have sex, I, if, so say I'm that person, I don't want to have sex. Nicoletta wants to have sex. I don't want to have sex. And so I'm like, well, okay, why just, don't you love me? I do love you. I do love you. <laughs> and I totally do a hundred percent. And so then I would get inquisitive. So what is my, what is my no, you know, and is my no, because I'm tired because I'm really distracted. I'm stressed. And maybe I'm grieving. Maybe I'm just having a hard time really just being present here. Um, maybe I don't feel good. Maybe my body doesn't feel good. Maybe it feels not whatever. You know, what is the reason why I have a no? Or maybe I we have an issue. Like we actually haven't connected in a while and I, now having sex with you is like, I don't even feel you right now. Why would I have sex with you? Mm-hmm. I want to like be connected to you. Maybe we had a, a argument the other day that we haven't repaired yet. So what is your no all about? Or your I don't want to, or I, I'm not feeling this. And if it's a hard, like for me, you know, so if it's a hard no, like, no, I feel really disconnected from you. And the last thing I want is you inside of me or me inside of you. Um, and that is, that is valid. So then it's what, what else is available and what, you know, what needs to happen not to have sex, what needs to happen in like the repair moment, or if I don't feel good in my body, what do I need to do to take care of my body? Right? Like, mm-hmm. say I feel nauseous. Sex is not what I want right now. And so instead of like pushing myself to have sex, I need some sort of self-care right now. And then yeah. I can speak to that to my partner is this isn't about you right now. I love you and I care about you. And I just really don't feel good. Now, if I'm just tired, okay, how about this? I'm not, I'm a no to sex, but I'm really tired or, and I'm really tired because I'm tired, but I'm open to like us just laying there naked and you can like, you know, kind of like massage my body and then we'll see what happens. And I might still be a no to sex, but I'm open to having some form of connection with you that doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily going to be exactly what you want, but maybe we can lean into each other in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Finding something else on the menu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're you're yes, no, maybe less. And but I think the curiosity about a lot of people just yes. go with their no. I don't want to. I'm a no. I don't like that. Like Jonah, Jonah Hill doesn't like doing yeah. dishes. I had a partner who didn't like giving massages. Why don't you want to give me a massage? I just don't like it. And so for me, I'm like, okay, but what is that why? about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, like, it's uh, you don't want to be asking why because you're trying to convince. But like, I oh yeah, I wasn't asking. This, I was in my head. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, but this like curiosity, <laughs> like you said, of like help me understand what it is about this yeah. thing. Yeah. Not because I think I'm going to convince you, but like I want to better understand. Yeah. Um, but I, and on the flip side, I think also had the person who's wanting the sex to be curious about what they're actually wanting because yeah. I feel like a lot of folks totally you know, a lot of folks put so many things onto sex, whether that be like, okay, this is the time where we can be close, where we can be intimate, where I can show you I love you, where we can have physical contact, where I can feel better. And so if you're not also being curious about the intention, if the sex you were hoping for isn't available, you might be left really hungry when if you took a moment to take a step back and see what you were actually seeking, there might be some other hors d'oeuvre that is available to you. Yeah, like are you are you just seeking some sort of closeness and touch? And does it have to be sex? And what does sex even mean to you? Is that penetration? And there's right. so many ways we can expand that. And I like what you said about, you know, the person wanting to have sex on the you know, there there are boundaries and, and intentions and curiosity uh, moments for them as well that are really valuable. And the, the whole thing of like, oh, there's also people like, well, this is what we should do. We haven't had sex in a week, so we should have sex. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure. That does not sound fun to me, by the way. That just sounds like yeah. Okay, but what's the the intention? Is it for us to feel more connected, more alive, more pleasure? You know, and and I also like that. Like, how do we want to leave? How do we want to feel when we leave this experience um, of of whatever the experience is? You know, how are we filling up our our cups together? And and what is that doing for us? Is it just like you know another notch in the belt in the sex world, or is it something that really did something uh, really powerful, or not maybe not powerful, but um, nourishing for both of us in some way? Yeah, absolutely. And then, like you said, there's so many options for things you can do instead. Like if you just wanted to come, you could do that on your own or just with me. I'll watch you. Yeah, Yeah. it's a supporting role. Or here's a sex toy and and have fun and like, tell me about it later. I don't know. There's so many options. I mean, I I love the, you know, I've had folks on the podcast who talked about a sex menu. I've kind of recalled it a pleasure menu because it's, you know, there's so many ways to have pleasure. Um, Something I see happening though for folks is like, you know, they they avoid the other things on the pleasure menu because they're worried that their partner will keep pushing for more 
or they have an internalized fear that it's not going to be enough. And sometimes the partner is disappointed that it's not more. Um, any thoughts on like how to navigate that when you're like, okay, I could pick this other thing off the pleasure menu, like penetration is off the table with this other thing when folks are kind of worried that it's not going to be enough yeah. either for them or their partner. Yeah, that it's not going to be enough. So yeah, there's the not enough. I, the, my brain also went to like, well, like what? So what if anal's on the 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 list and we try anal? And now my partner wants anal all the time, so I don't want to try anal. Um, and so yeah, there's yeah. the the not enoughness, or like, what if this is something that now there's this pressure that we open up the doors for this to happen all the time. And with both of those scenarios, there's a, seems to me there's a lack of communication happening between partners uh, of you know what is really happening within themselves in these experiences. So you know. If so, if I'm not willing to have sex with my partner right now, but I am open to just having hand sex, let's just, you know, so no penetrations, no penetrative sex, no mouth on genitals, no genitals touching genitals, but we're going to use our hands and on each other. And now, what if my partner's like, oh, yeah, but that hand job wasn't enough. I still want the penetrative sex. To me, I'm going to say this, it's not, it's going to sound really insensitive. That's their shit. Uh, <laughs> and, and, um, and it's still valid. So I'm not saying that it's invalid shit. It's just their experience and their feelings. That doesn't mean it's your job to fix or take on. Uh, it, but it, but they're, because their feelings are valid and if you care about this person, it's now an opportunity to communicate and share more about what that feels like and what else is desired or unavailable and how that could be incorporated. You know, it's not like, okay, so we didn't have sex today. So then tomorrow I have to have sex with you, but you know, more like, okay, well, 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 like let's see what, what we're available. Let's set another intimacy date for Wednesday night and see what's available there. And I know you want sex. I might still not be available for sex then because I need to listen to my body because when I don't, I'm having compliant sex and that creates mini trauma. You probably won't say that to your partner, but that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. And so it just seems like there's, there's opportunities for people to share more for the person who's disappointed. You know, like I, I still feel this really big urge to have penetrative sex with you and and that can just be its own thing Mm -hmm. just because someone requests something uh, and has a desire doesn't mean we have to meet it fix it or do it Um, but let's not disregard it and say like no not important let's keep it there not in the background but in our the forefront as i'm going to keep that here and and when i feel an opening to that then i'm going to do my work to to create that spaciousness for it to pursue it and in fact i'm going to do my work for little baby steps to maybe like get there but that's also for me not just for you i'm going to do it in a way that feels good for me but that's why it's really i think also important to learn the skill of being able to tolerate disappointment from other people major skill (laughs) yeah where you can like val i mean i'm I'm still working on it uh where you can like validate that feeling for the other person like oh i really hear that you wanted this like sorry that's not on the menu tonight and i'm not going to take that on yeah exactly don't say that's your shit don't say that everyone (laughs) that's your shit that's your shit motherfucker (laughs) but it is it was but 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 it was their experience and their experience is valid just as just as important and valid as your experience of what you you don't want or what you do want there then and i think that's just important to take it all into account and um yeah one thing i like to work with disappointment is is to actually practice being disappointed like like yeah. go into experiences with the bar really low and like, I'm going to be let down here and I'm just going to see how that feels. Um, and that, and you actually often, uh, things are a little more, uh, you often find that things are more enjoyable than, or like you're not as let down as you thought you would be. Um, but, but like when you're feeling someone feeling disappointment and someone says, you know, they're, I'm not open to this or they're, they're disappointing you in some way. I feel disappointed. Instead of saying you're disappointing me, you're just feeling disappointment. So I'm feeling disappointment. And this is your opportunity to tend to your disappointment. And and if your partner starts to try to fix your disappointment, invite, let them know, like, I'm I'm working on doing this on my own. Thank you. Because a lot of people really want to fix. And that kind of just perpetuates the whole cycle, keeps it going. Um, Easier said than done. Like, what do you need to work with your disappointment? What do you need to be like, okay, I got this. It's usually a lot of self-care. Yeah. And I talk about this on other shows too, but I think it gets difficult when someone feels continuously unfulfilled and disappointed, right? Like, of course it's going to happen where sometimes the sex stuff isn't on the menu, but what happens when it starts to get into the territory of like never happening? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that can be really tricky. And I, 
I think, I, I mean, there's different scenarios you probably see with your clients, right? When it's never happening uh, and people often are like, they're doing the work. Oh, and then for a week, like there's the sex happens. And then um, two months mm-hmm. later, it's not happening again. And, um, and, and while it often seems like it's very one-sided in those experiences, it's, there's, there's, it's a two-way street in this um, kind of cycle or pattern that's going on. Yeah. Um, and in that way, I think what I often see as people doing a lot of work, but like sometimes shit has to hit the fan for someone to like really step up. But I'm not saying that's a good thing, but, and I actually would advise like, don't let that happen because you're going to spend a lot more time and money on like therapy and, and repair work with your partner energy with your partner. And, but that's what a lot of people are waiting for is like, Oh no, now we're in a hard place. And, and my partner might actually be rejecting me, might want to leave me an affair happens. All kinds of things can happen. Yeah. Um, so I think if, if people can really take that into account that like to be in a preventative mindset, as opposed to waiting for things to be really, really bad before you actually take the steps to do some sort of work. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's a practice, right? Like, you know, we work on the sex life and like this week feels good. And then we stop working on it the next week. I'm sure you see this all the time yeah. too. Yeah. Like a month later, like, oh yeah, we were good for a week. And then we kind of gave up. I'm like, okay. So what, what happened in your yeah. lives? I made it. So you decided to stop doing this, this thing that is a practice. It's called a practice right. for a reason. Right. Or maybe you don't see it that's way, that way, but that's what yeah. it is. Well, I think, you know, we all want to be able to have like worked on something and have it be done. You know, I feel that way about therapy, right? Where I'm like, totally. Didn't I already yeah. do this dish, right? Like, and it's yeah. just the dishes Come on, keep we're back. back. I know. Yeah. But then, but then, you know, at least for me, the hope is like, okay, it, it's okay if it comes back, but because I've done some work, it should be, it, hopefully it's easier to yeah. navigate or it's yeah. less, right? Like, you know, you're, you're in a sex rut and you do some work around it and everything's good. And then you hit another sex rut, but now you have more tools to work on it whether yeah. it's communication or the yes, no, maybe those are the creative things that you do. Um, and they'll be hard on yourself. Oh shit, we're back in this sex rut. Instead mm-hmm. it's okay. All right. We've been here. What, do, what worked in the past? What do, what, yeah. what do we need now? And how can we really dedicate ourselves to this? Yeah. Well, last question before we start to wrap up and don't worry folks, if you're wanting more, you can read the book, read the book. because there's a, <laughs> yeah, there's a whole book about it. Um, you talk about like asking for what you want and and things like that. And I'm thinking of scenarios where people have asked many times and showed their partner, asked clearly what they want, and their partner just keeps not getting it or keeps going back to the way they used to do things. Um, any tips for that loop uh, mm-hmm. that a lot of people experience? I've got some too, but That's I'd love to hear your thoughts. Frustrating loop. Yeah. It is a frustrating <laughs> yeah. loop where you're like, I have communicated this clearly. Loop. I've told you, I've showed yeah. you. Um, and yeah. it's still, you're still touching me the way I said I don't want you to touch me. Yeah. So my so I wouldn't necessarily doubt the person that's saying I've advocated for this, but I, I would still ask, okay, but explain more about how you advocated for this. Like, what did it look like? How did you state that this is, did you say that this is really important to you? Like, this is, this is really important to, to every part of me and it's not going away. This need and desire. It's like, it's like, I feel it in my, however you want to say, it. I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my genitals yeah. or whatever. Like, this is so important. Instead of like, here's something that that, that like I've been thinking about or that I like, or can you do more of this or less of that? Um, so I, how did you advocate for it? When did you advocate, advocate for it? Was it in the bedroom when everyone's naked um, and kind of feeling vulnerable and, or distracted or in a distracted space outside the bedroom? Uh, you know, were people in good spirits where they can really like take in the information? So there, there is a time and a place in a way that we can really advocate for this is really important to me. And, and I, I'm feeling like I really need this in my life to feel alive and fulfilled. And I'm wondering if you're open to exploring this with me and, you know, and, and making this a part of our lives together. Um, because if I don't have that, I, I feel like I might be losing a part of myself or something, you know, however you want to say that. Um, and so maybe, so, uh, my guess is most people haven't done that in, in, in maybe not in that exact way, but in this, this, like how, fucking important this is um and it's more like well i, I you know planted the seeds i said this i said this and it's still not happening so so but so but let's say that you did maybe you did fully advocate for this and and your partner still isn't doing the thing still an opportunity for another conversation though and i would bring that up again like i mean not like i told you and you're not blah 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 blah, blah. again you know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to bring this up to you again because this is really important to me. I'm still feeling this. It's not going away. 
And I, I feel like there's a part of me, I mean, whatever, fill in the blank, that's closing off, shutting down, pulling away, feeling disconnected from you, yeah. wanting to like withhold, wanting to not have sex because mm-hmm. there's this thing that's really important that isn't being heard. Um, and, and you, so, and then if they're still not doing it, I mean, sometimes that's like a make or break it moment. If it's, if it's a deal breaker for you and a really big part of like you need, if you don't have this for yourself, you're going to feel like you're giving up part of yourself. You're losing yourself. This could be a moment to consider the relationship dynamic, whether that's breaking ups or non-monogamy or how can you get needs fulfilled outside of uh, this relationship. Um, so there's so many layers to it, but I think that there's yeah the more like in-depth way of, of yeah. communicating that. And we talk about in our book, we have the something called the connect formula that is how to have these challenging conversations, as well as the difference between small asks and big asks and when to have them where and things like that. So it's all in the book. Yeah, I mean, certainly there could be situations where I think the partner who's still not doing the thing might not be able to, might not care, you know, like the all those things. But I think people sort of automatically go there of like, oh, they're not listening. They don't care. And mm-hmm. like I said, well, that certainly can be the case in some of these instances. Um, something I would also advocate for is like really seeing if you can get to the bottom of your partner's learning styles. Mm, um, yeah. I've had so many people who experience this and they think their partner doesn't care. And then it turns out that their partner has a learning disability. Yeah. Um, oh, or it turns yeah. out that their partner has some neurodiversity, um, as most of us do, um, mm-hmm. or that just the way that they take in information and learn things is different than you think. So it's oh, like, yeah. you feel like you're communicating it, they're hearing it, but the way that they learn and integrate new information is just not being covered. Um, yeah. So and they I, might not under, understand it too. I, I was thinking yeah. of my partner asked me, he really wants me to like have some experience. I wasn't objectified, but it was something like, like make me a piece of me and objectify me. However he said it. Now I'm thinking about like, I can do that. Yeah, However like how he do you define it, it? Right. Yeah. However he said it didn't really land. I'm kind of subby too. and a little more of a sub. So, I, and, and I'm like, oh yeah, I totally haven't really done that a lot. And I've done it in other ways, like brought other friends and like, let's all just like torture him. And he likes that. Um, but like, it didn't really land for me because it's not my language, right? I'm not, I'm not the, the dominant one who objectifies. I'm the one who's usually objectified. So it yeah. just might not be landing for them and there might right. be other ways to help it land. It might take time. Right. Yeah. I think that's the other piece, right. Is like having patience for the learning curve. And I, you know, of course, maybe at some point, if someone's not putting an effort to learn it, that might be the make or break point, but yeah. like think about anything else. And if, you know, in your life that you were wanting to change your behavior on, if it were just so easy as telling someone don't do it that way, and then they stop doing it. I would only ever have to see clients for one session of therapy, right? Totally. If they came yeah. in and I was like, oh, well, just stop doing that because that's really important to me. Oh, great. That's all I <laughs> needed to hear. Now I'm not going to fucking do that behavior anymore, right? It so takes like, what, 10,000 hours or whatever they say to like become expert at something. So we're talking mm-hmm. about a, a thing that might not be easy to do because it's in another person's body. They're not getting that immediate feedback. They haven't practiced it for that many hours. So like there does have to be a learning curve and figuring out how to be patient with reminding your partner like, oh, hey, remember we're practicing doing it this other way, even though it can be really fucking Mm -hmm. annoying because you're like, I told you twice already. Don't touch my clit like that, you know, but... Yeah. And and then I'll add to that, like create another conversation. I'll stop with this one is like another conversation is, you know, so say it's it's just like touching the bedroom. And I've told you so many times how outside the bedroom, having a conversation of what would work for you? How can I actually remind you about this when we're having sex in case it's just not landing for you? If I'm desiring this, what would be a good Mm -hmm. way for me to say that in a way that isn't, uh, was probably less triggering for you that would help um, you to hear me that is not, doesn't feel like offensive or what? Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's a conversation and it might not, it's not perfect science, right? You might try the thing and then I'd be like, I'm triggered now. But, you know, that can be a really helpful conversation because, again, we all communicate and we hear, we speak and hear differently than yeah. um, everyone else around us. Yeah. How do you prefer to get feedback? This is yeah. an important yeah. question. Uh, well, there's so much more we could cover. And I know there's some extra, more detailed tips in the book. And um, how can people get in touch? Uh, you already mentioned it sounds like folks can both pre order and purchase the book at shamelesssex.com. 
Yep. You go to shamelesslex.com. There's a link there, but it's sold on um, Barnes and Noble and Amazon, independent booksellers. And pre-orders are really important for books, everyone, because um, and pre-orders and then also the first week of book sales is really important because it helps with your numbers and getting on lists. And leave a review. And leave a review. Yes. So if you pre-order, don't wait till like December. Like if you the sooner the better. Uh, because in the hardcover too, by the way, that's it helps us grow on lists, which means more people can access shameless sex, including people who don't really know about how to have shameless sex. Um, so you're doing a public service. Um, and also we are giving away a free online workshop. Um, it's a video of April Night teaching uh, you how to pamper your partner. We're wearing lingerie in it, which is kind of fun. And um, and so if you pre-order, you send us the receipt, um, then we will send you that workshop free of charge. And um, great marketing. Yeah, yeah, great marketing. And um, yes, yeah, so our, our book and just lastly with our book um, is called, I always forget the full title, but Shameless Sex, Choose Your Own Pleasure Path to Unlock the Sex Life You've Been Waiting For. And uh, it's kind of like a choose your own adventure book. If you're 18, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, but those are like fictional books where you can just like design the story, but this is not fiction. And it's designed for you or for you to design your own sex and relationship life, abiding by consent, of course. Um, and so it's ca- categorized by kind of the most top common themes of, and issues that people are having, as well as juicy stuff, like how to become a sexual master and spice up your sex life. But instead of us telling you the answer to your issue or your question, we say, well, what's the outcome you want? And if you want this outcome, go to this page. With, and then we have a whole bunch of options. If you want that co- outcome, really cool. go to this page. Yeah. So you're 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 the creator of your own reality. Uh, and we're really proud of it. It took us two years to write. So yeah, go to um, shamelesssex.com to pre-order. And you can find us on all the social medias at Shameless Sex Podcast. And April, I love you. She's my co-host. She's really fun. We love playful, you, April. Silly people. Yeah. So, yeah, we love you, April. And we love you, Nicoletta. You're so wonderful. Well, I remember when you were just starting on this book journey and like going on a trip to like start on this proposal. So huge congratulations. It's such a big feat. And um, again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars on I hate wanting to on X on Twitter at <laughs> yeah. Slut Scholars. Uh, you can listen anywhere you get your podcasts or at slutsandscholars.com. And yeah, please don't forget to rate and review and check out the other podcasts um, on our Pleasure Podcast Network, including Shameless Sex. Um, Amy, thank you so much. It's a pleasure as always. Thank you. Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show.